Okay, AD, I have a question for you. What's up, brother? What was your childhood nickname? Uh, AD is my nickname. You never got another nickname? No. Like my Skippy name is or... Skippy? <laughs> no, bro. A- AD, my, my name is Adonia. So everybody calls me AD in class. The teacher would, she would start roll call. And normally I was the first name. And so she would just say, all right, guys, we're doing roll call. And then she would just stare at the paper because she didn't know how to say it. And I would just say, I would raise my hand and I'd just say, it's AD. And she'd say, thank you. <laughs> Anytime there was a like substitute teacher or something like that, it would happen again. And I, it got to be clockwork. I was like, yeah, it's me. Yeah, it's AD. Don't worry. Yeah, that was my... I used to do that. Yeah, what was yours, man? Did people call uh, well, you... Uh, well, hold on real quick. Because is AD short for Adonier or for your first name, middle name? Yeah, my middle name it's is both. D- Dimiari. Yeah. And so it's Adonia Dimiari Benson Jaja. Uh, I also have another middle name, Neil. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, and so... So it kind of works both ways. It works on two levels. Short for AD or for Adonia yeah. or it's... Uh, I don't need DMR. I don't even know where it got started. It just it people, people started calling me AD at That's some crazy. point. Like as far as you can remember, you were called AD. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, my childhood childhood nickname was not great. It was uh, it was Thumper. Thumper. <laughs> what? Yeah. Who, who, who? Why? What? Who calls I, you Thumper? I, I don't know where it started, but I it's think th- it started from baseball. Oh, did you play baseball? I played baseball as a kid, and I had I in general have like really heavy footfalls. Like my, I just like always take like heavy steps, and so um, someone would you know how like in uh, Bambi the movie Bambi there's like the little bunny thumper and he's like always like tapping. Yeah, I know thumper. Yeah, someone's like whenever you run, it's like you're like thumper from the movie. So people call me thumper because you have heavy feet. Yeah, and so you run like kind of clunky. Yeah, yeah. Wow, now I feel like I should see you run. Like, do you still run I like think that? I run like a normal person, but I think it's missed. I just have heavy footfalls. Yeah. So. So Thumper. Thumper it was, yeah. It's All pretty, right, Thumper. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible nickname. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like, of the things you should tell me, you should not tell me that people used to call you Thumper. What's worse is that now it's like out for the world. And yeah, someone's that. just going to call you Thumper. Like, they're just going to be like, hey, Thumper, what's up? You know, like, uh, man, that's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. I wanted people to call me uh, Volcano for a while, <laughs> and Volk for short, or Kano. Uh, but you can't give yourself a nickname, so I never stuck. I, I have given people nicknames. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Saravong Spiritanakal, is his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, he we played Ultimate Frisbee together in college. And... Uh, he one day he just ran past me. He sort of like did this little, like a juke move where I could like I almost felt the wind as he was passing me. And so I was like, man, he just swerved right by me. You know, it was like he's. And so I was like, hey man, I'm gonna call you Swerve. And uh, the name stuck even to this point. He sent me a text uh, a year or two ago where he had the name Swerve on his uh, door or his uh, desk nameplate. Uh, he had put Swerve, because everybody calls him Swerve now. Dang. Nobody calls him Servong, which I think is crazy. Uh, and I was like, yes, I love that I can give. It's like you're either a nickname giver 
or your nickname, nickname receiver. receiver. Yeah. Mm. So have you ever given a nickname that stuck? Um, it it was a seasonal nickname, but yes, uh, in college, one of my roommates and my best friends, his name is Matt, and everyone had like a. I think in general everyone had kind of a nickname. There were so many mats like you know, on campus. Yeah. So like you need a nickname, and I was like, you look like someone who'd go by Patch. So I called him Patch for the whole year. <laughs> That's the only reason <laughs> you look like someone that looked. Well, I'm saying so many mats. Someone go by Patch. So we called him Patch for the whole year. Everyone would call him that. Everyone called him that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like a good nickname. It's very endearing. It's like, oh yeah, thanks. You know. I just, for some reason, I think it's because AD is already so easy that no one ever gives me a nickname, you know, because it's like, oh, AD, it's almost like you're already saying a nickname, and that's what it is, you yeah. know, but I, I wish I had like a, like, like Kano, you know. Kano would be awesome. It's like, yes, yes, of course, that's me, you know, <laughs> but just never, never stuck. I um, I did go through an identity crisis, I'm sure many people have done this, where I, I changed my name. Legally? No, 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 but like. You told everyone to call you something else. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So, I think about this actually not frequently, actually infrequently, but often. You think about the fact that you changed your name. Well, I'll tell you that. So, okay. So, first summer, I lived in Germany and I was working working there. So, I was working. Another and so, Levi overseas story. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I was in Iceland at. All right. <laughs> so, everyone's there. They're like, oh, what's your, what's your name? And so I said, Levi and I was like, you know what? Screw it, I'm gonna try something new. So I told him, <laughs> I, and I did. I just shortened it from Levi to Lev, L-E-V. To Lev, Lev. You kind of look like a Lev. Yeah, I can. So I, I only know one other Lev. Well, yeah, you kind of look like. <laughs> <me. It's> like <laughs> this is so. This is about ten years ago when I was, and so for the whole summer, mm-hmm. I went by Lev, and like I, I kind of. It's but it's funny though. I, I think about it because. Um, it pops in my mind on occasion when I'm like, there are, there are people in the world who only know me as Lev. Like if they saw me now, they'd be like, Lev, what's going on, man? Like it's just crazy. Like they don't. It's not Levi. It's just Lev. And so like that to me is so interesting that there's people that know me only by they only have a whole different name. Yeah. Than what I go by. I will say I have never done that before. I think that's cool. But like if maybe if you went to summer camp or something, you might say, all right, this year at summer camp, they're gonna yeah. call me, you know, whatever. And Neil. Yeah. Uh, I have a sign nickname because I was the chef at a camp. I don't know if you know anything about sign culture, but uh, you have to be given a sign name. Like, for, I don't know if you know anything about deaf culture, I should say. You have to be given a sign name um, by someone who is deaf. You can't just make Give one up. Or it's, yeah, and they have, deaf culture is super interesting. Anyway, I was working at a camp where there uh, was a great percentage of deaf youth, and they, uh, I was the cook. I was like the head chef, which was kind of crazy at that time in my life. That That's what I was doing. I was like, I'm respons- responsible for feeding 300 people <laughs> every day for every meal, and I had two sea chefs, and uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but everybody loved it. They were like, man, your food's so amazing. I was like, oh, thank you. I just cooked whatever my mom used to cook us, and so I... And I there was this book called Food for 50, uh, and it was amazing. Like, that was, like, my Bible. And you, it just had every quanti- any, everything you wanted to make in huh. 50, and quanti- uh, for 50 quanti- for 50 people. And so it was just, like, you just multiplied it, you know, by, like by five yeah. or whatever you're yeah. doing. And it was uh, uh, it was amazing. Anyway, uh, so 
the sign for cook. You guys can't see this. This is the worst story for the pod. Uh, this is how to cook. It's just okay. like one hand down and your other hand uh, uh, flipping over like palm mm-hmm. and then back to the hand, back or back of hand. And as if you're like flipping a pancake mm-hmm. on a pan or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's a sign for cook. And then the way they make a sign name is so super interesting. That whole language is so interesting. But they integrate whatever your name is to a sign that reminds them of you or that characterizes you. Mm-hmm. So like if you're a crazy person, they would do the letters of your name along with the sign for crazy. Mm-hmm. And so that, that way everyone would know, oh, you're talking about you know Crazy Jane or something mm-hmm. like that. And so since I was a cook... Uh, they would, I can't remember, oh, A, D or something like that. That was like this. Yeah, and so they would do that. They would do the, the palm flat. They would do They would do the A, a and the D and, and turn it over. That's awesome. And I was granted a sign name, and I was like, oh, man, I feel really great. And so that nickname uh, is very dear to my heart, even though I don't, like, A, D, the cook, is pretty, yeah. you know, even though I'm not a chef right now, I have that sign name, and I'll have it forever. Like, yeah. whenever I introduce myself to a person, um, I would do that sign name that's if, crazy. if they're deaf. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a fun. I, I, was, asking, I was asking asking questions like, does, do you carry that with you? With like, do you take the name with you wherever you go? Like now that you've been given a name, do you, like if you met somebody, you were signing your name, you would say that. That's what you yeah, do. yeah, I've done it once afterwards. I mm-hmm. I don't meet a lot of deaf people, yeah. you know, but uh, I've done it once where I met someone and I don't know sign language well enough mm-hmm. anymore that I could have a conversation, but. If they can also like read lips mm. and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they write. I can just say, "Oh yeah, my sign name is this," and then go from there. But okay. yeah, it was a uh, man. That camp was very fun. It was the Minnesota Conservation Corps. Where Minnesota? Uh, it was about an hour north north of the Twin Cities mm. in Saint Croix State Park. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, one of the craziest summers I've ever had. Yeah, it sounds like a crazy summer. Yeah, and not just for the cooking every day and meal prep and all that. Uh, there was some natural, like, I would almost call them minor natural disasters, but some just, like, natural occurrences that happened in the forest that we were in, that was just insane. One, okay, this wasn't natural. This was man-made, but... Uh, I, I lived in a sort of a cabin next to the kitchen. That's also catty corner to uh, the, sh- the, uh, the barn where all the tools are. Because mm-hmm. what we did was we, the kids would work on trail and things like that. Um, and apparently the guy who was over the barn put linseed oil on the tool handles. And linseed oil uh, is just like that sort of lacquer sort mm-hmm. of oil that you see on tools that oh, give yeah. them that sheen. Yeah, yeah. And so you might need to go and protect your linseed oil or protect your um, your wooden tools from splintering. Uh, and so you might do it every few years or something. So he was just being prudent and like cleaning and re-linseed oil, re-oiling all the tool handles. And uh, he put all the linseed oil rags into uh, a cooler Linseed oil, when it lays on top mm. itself in rags like that, is combustible. And so it uh, it bursts in the fr- flames in the middle of the night. And so we're out in the boonies. Like, there's, it's just, like you have to drive an hour to get there, you know. And uh, we're out there. And I just remember in the middle of the night, I was, it's, like I was, it's like I was having a dream. And then within two seconds, I just heard the crackling in the back. I was like, something's wrong. And then I woke up, and I, as soon as I woke up, I was like, I know there's a fire. And I was like, fire! 
there, and I yelled it like as loud as I can because there was a couple other people sleeping in the same cabin. Because I didn't know where it was or what was happening, Dang. but I could hear it. I I heard it, and you just hear the crackling. And the barn was as big as a house, you right. know. So by the time that I woke up, I was like fire, and I ran outside, and uh, uh, everybody else in my cabin woke up. We ran outside, and we started. And so the fire was on the side of the house for at the first part. And we're calling the fire department. They're on their way, but it's going to take them a long time to get there. Uh, we have a, a hose, but the hose is on a well. But we don't think about it. We're just trying to put out the fire. We don't know what started it. We just know that there's a fire. So we're we're spraying the tops. Like the ash from the fire is like going over to uh, like where I live mm-hmm. and also into the kitchen that's near me. And so we're spraying everything with water so that the... Ash doesn't fall and catch, mm-hmm. you know, the trees next to the house caught on fire to the point uh, that the whole entire house was in flames. I'm talking about 30, 40, 50 feet up in Dang. the middle of the forest where it's dry and we're taking care of these kids. You know what I mean? And like, plot twist, these kids, a lot of them are deaf, which that means you have to, to wake them yeah, up. You yeah. got like actually, like, either they smell it yeah. or you got to like physically wake them up. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And so uh, I wasn't so... I wasn't uh, so much in charge of the kids just because I was just yeah. so I don't know that side of it. I just know that I was the first one to wake up, and as soon as I woke up, I was like, "Fire!" And I ran. I told the director. Uh, I told all sorts of people. The director was my girlfriend. That's why I was there. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, and uh, we, well, the fire department came, and they were like, "Listen, there's nothing we can do." By the time they got there, we all just sat there and watched the fire go out. Like, we just watched it because there's nothing we could do. As soon as it, like, they had gas cans in there that were exploding. What? Like, dude, it was insane. And what I will say is that the fire burned so hot that there's no way. You know how people are, like, walking into burning buildings to go save someone? Yeah. That is not possible. Like, I mean, it's possible to walk into a burning building if it's not seriously burning. Yeah. But standing probably 30 feet from the fire it was burning so hot that if you went 20 if you went to the 20 foot part or mark or 15 feet close to it yeah you would already start burning even though you're not close to the fire it's just that hot you know like it was just burning so intensely that as i tried to like walk closer to it i couldn't even i wouldn't have even been able to go into the fire but before i got there i would have been singed it's like roasting like a hot dog. You know, it's not like you don't have to put it in the fire. Do a perfect marshmallow, you do it outside. But right. it still burns it, you know what I mean? And so I just remember like, oh, all those stories about people walking into burning buildings, no one's walking in that building. <laughs> you know, they, 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 that burning building couldn't have been like, you know, to the point where it's fully engulfed in flames. No one's walking in there. Like, do, So did they just, the whole building just burnt down? Yeah, just burnt down. And we didn't know what happened for... I don't know, until like maybe three days later and we didn't have a bar and we didn't have tools. <laughs> uh, Were they able to like, uh, keep it the fire from spreading? They did. We did contain it, which was unfortunate um, because we sprayed everything down with water mm. and we had a well, so we didn't have water because we ran out. We, we didn't know. We were just like, okay, what do we do? All right, douse the roofs with water over here, blah, 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 and then the what the water goes out. I'm like, what happened? I was like, oh, yeah, well, there's no water in there anymore. <laughs> like, oh, dang it. And then so it was like disaster after disaster. Um and I think we like maybe took a break and the kids went home for a week or something and then they found out what it was, that it was the linseed oil. The guy who did it, like, is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. 
like the caretaker of the barn. Mm-hmm. He's just like literally this happy go lucky, like he raises pigs and he's just like, Hey guys, you know, like kind of a a big, burly, like teddy bear, funny, but also works really hard kind of guy. And he just didn't know. And That's crazy. Yeah, he just didn't know. He's like, Yeah, I did do that and I put the rags in a thing and he I think he he I, okay, I can't remember if he closed the cooler or if he left it open. Either way, just them laying and being, you know, on the ground, mm-hmm. they'll do that. That's crazy. But they just combust in their own. They're just, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, don't do that. Linseed oil <laughs> rags take care of them. Um, yeah, and another thing that happened, I'll tell this story real quick because it was kind of crazy too, is that something I never heard of, uh, downforce winds happened. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of downforce winds? Okay, so we left the camp for like a weekend, just for like a weekend off. We came back. And it was. It looked as if uh, a UFO had landed on the road, and so all these like pine trees and stuff on the side of the roads were broken about ten feet up, and then laying down on their sides. Like so, if you go ten feet up, and then it was just like broken in yeah. in half, like maybe like you know one fifth of the way up the tree, and the tree was just laying on the ground, and it was just like insane. Every tree. Like, and it was just going over the, uh, it, it was blocking the roads. Like, it was like a disaster. And everyone was like, what happened here? And they're, because it, it didn't look like a tornado. Right. It just looked really weird. It was just like, why are all the trees broken in every which way? Yeah. But at, at this, the same, same point. At the same point. It literally was like, okay, a UFO landed here. But we did some research. We found out from the park service. They're like, yeah. Sometimes these, they call it downforce winds happen where, you know, the heat, cold, whatever, you know, uh, temperature, things happen in the sky. And the wind just comes straight down and hits the ground. And it just, it with such force that it just, it breaks everything. That's crazy. And so, I mean, I love chainsawing. So we just sat there with chainsaws and chainsawed our way. I mean, we had the park service. And so I was, I chainsawed a little bit and then I was sharpening chainsaws. It was like a crazy night. Like we were going back at night and it was just like, what in the world was going on here? And then the kids were coming back the next day, but we we're like, oh, so good that the kids didn't stay in town. It just happened to be our weekend off. Yeah. And so the kids had left. Um, but yeah, downforce winds, man. That is crazy. It was a crazy. Hey, you've done so many interesting things. Yeah, well, I haven't been to, I haven't been to Malta. Where, where, I haven't been? been there either. Oh, really? Yeah. I just assumed that you've yeah. been to all the. Haven't been. Oh, I've been Iceland, and uh, you've done some crazy things, bro. You're, I understand like you, you've these life experiences, like being a chef. I think it's just crazy. It's inter- so interesting. It was very fun. I really liked it. Did, did you have any days off, or did you get like one day off in, in a week? No, but it wasn't like it wasn't so bad. Okay, so. I normally, I work, the way that the camp worked is they came and we were trained for like a month or so. I can't remember how long. Like, so I, I fed the staffers, like all the camp counselors and Mm -hmm. stuff while they were being trained. Then when the kids came, they, uh, we were there for a few weeks and we fed them every day, if I remember correctly. And then they went on, uh, little missions where they'd go camping, uh, along the North Shore or wherever for, like, four days or something. And so I would feed them when they were back in town or, you know, so it was, like, Monday or Friday through, you know, 
through Monday. They would leave Monday morning. And uh, so I fed them those meals, and then I would pack their lunches. So during the week, I'm preparing for the next week. So I'm, like, making all this food. And then also just some, some just, like, random food that they can just make themselves. And then uh, we pack their big coolers. Then they all leave, and they go camp for a week. And then, uh, and so the in camp, there was like a couple teams that I would feed, but that was a lot easier. So it was like probably thirty people or something that I fed during the week. But it was uh, it was interesting. But that's why I like cooking now so much because it's like I can cook for people because that's yeah. that's what I did. Like yeah. I just I did big barbecues and it's like for for so many people. That is crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, dude. So I. Uh, and we have so there's actually a lot of stuff we can talk about right now. There's uh in the photo world there it's like uh submission time. A lot of people are submitting to freaking uh 30 rising. They're oh, yeah. submitting yeah, and so uh it's been interesting just like knowing what people are deciding to submit and like how they're like how they're looking at their images because I think the the rules you have to send in 30 images and everyone is like trying to figure out like how do you best describe your work in right. thirty images, right. which is interesting because you kind of feel like you would have already done that for your website, you know, like. But it's not going to be the same when you're submitting to, especially Rangefinder. It feels like it's not the same. Like you're not going to use the same images because you want to use images that uh, one span across the whole wedding day, but speak to photographers. Like right. the people who would judge you will be photographers, and you might not put that on your website or. I don't know, um, and so it's been interesting looking at people's work that have been. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like the stuff that you like would sell like the images that you would would theoretically be able to sell to like a gallery versus to uh, a couple. Um, yeah, it is it is that time because there's also I think Junebug's having submissions as well too. Rangefinders having their submissions. It's kind of the time of the year when everyone is doing their uh, their annual call. Yeah, all the best images that they got. Yeah, do you don't normally do a best of call? Like for like a year end. I used to, and I haven't done it in a while. I need to. <sighs> yeah, I've never done one. Um, you know what I thought was actually awesome is um, James Mose when he launched his new website. This is I guess the website probably a year year and a half ago. He did a uh, August was, yeah, 2018, but he did like the decade because he's been shooting for ten years. He was like mm-hmm. 2008, 2018. He's like the best images over the decade. And I, I that was pretty it. dope. I'm like, that's actually awesome because yeah. it shows one of those people know like, oh, you're legit because you've been shooting for 10 years. Yeah. Like, and also it's like... These images are baller. Right. Because the, image, been, yeah. the images are baller because it's friggin' James Mose. But also it's just like, yeah, instead of having to call every single year, it's like, yeah, here's here's the best images from my first decade. Yeah. You can always go back and change them out if you wanted to. No one's going to notice. Sure. I think it's great. I um, I haven't done one ever, but I think I will do something like that at some point. When's your first decade? Um... I think I've been shooting for 2019. It's now. Boom. This is the perfect year. Sort of. Maybe it's like in a couple years. Like from (laughs) when I started my business. You know what I mean? Like I started shooting with auto, but I didn't start shooting alone. I think it's it's from when you started shooting. Oh, okay. I mean, mean, you can do whatever you want ultimately. Yeah. But dude, you should do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe I will. Um, no, 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 no. Anyways. Not maybe. No. Put on your Monday, Monday to-do list. This no. Right. There are more things, more important things on my to-do list. Like making bread. Put on your Tuesday to-do list. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, 
dude, I think we, uh, I, I like what we're, uh, I like what we're doing here. I like this podcast. I want to come back. <laughs> I want to take a quick break and I want to talk about some people's responses to the, uh, to the music podcast okay. we had last, cool. uh, last we'll week. We'll take a break. Come back in a second. All right. All right. We're back. Yeah. Sorry. As my thoughts derailed at the end of that last it's okay segment. remember uh just like the story that you mentioned before the break where the barn burned down uh there was a fire upstairs um <laughs> but the fire wasn't actually firing quite yet and there was bread that was, almost could have been burning so there wasn't really a fire yeah. it just was heat I, yeah i was just going to make sure the bread was uh wasn't going to catch on fire yeah. Did you put linseed oil in the bread to kind of that would be disgusting. I do use oil, though. I do use uh, olive oil to keep the bread from sticking to the proofing container. So for all you bread makers out there, olive oh, oil. Oh, this is actually crazy. I, I saw this on Twitter. There was this dude that harvested some, like, ancient bacteria from his Egyptian, like... Um, oh, like a like, like a mummy sort no, of... No, 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 like from a... Like um, like some clay things where you would store like grains and whatnot. Uh-huh. So these ancient grains, like literally ancient grains, uh-huh. but then, and then you use them to make like bread and stuff like that. Okay, it was pretty cool. And his he's like, he's like, this bread tastes totally different than I've ever tasted before. It oh, smells really? totally different. Like the yeast, it's like this is it all predates modern wheat. It's totally different to like interesting. So it's super interesting. Hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that does sound interesting. So. Uh, I will have to hunt him down. You thought of me. I thought of you. Thank you. It's like, man, this ancient grain bread maker. I am an ancient Egyptian bread making god. <laughs> I'm not this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you guys that are out there. You can call you Ra. Ra. Yeah. Finally, I have a new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the Black Lab Podcast from Thumper and Ra. For <laughs> Thumper and Ra. I actually like that. It has like a nice ring to it. It, it sounds like it'd be like um, like a... Uh, like what do they what do you call those the uh, a the band sh- or something? No, no, no. The uh, the um, the uh, jockey, the disc jockey, like the uh, oh, like, like a the shock DJ. jock, like shock jock DJs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Thumper like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. Hit us up with people's thoughts on. Oh yeah, so some people got back to us about um, thoughts on the last pod about uh, the music and who the music, who the who the photographers are that. Uh, sound like certain types or would be would correlate to certain musicians or whatever uh and uh we're gonna go at j Tobi- tobiason yes that's how you would say yes, it right J-Tobiason. i just want people to be able to find him because uh, his work is actually uh super amazing it's like uh super clean and epic uh but anyway he was going with the Handel's messiah thing he said jose via is the Handel's messiah of wedding photography which I was like, yeah. He's like, it's clean, iconic. Everyone tries to emulate. Uh, and then he goes further. We talked about it. And he goes further a little bit. And he says, uh, he definitely means it as a compliment, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, it, you know, everyone plays, uh, whoever, everyone who's playing classical music is eventually, they, they have to learn uh, Messiah for something, but it's still uh, the original. Uh, Via is the best at what he does. And even if it's not your style, we've all tried it out. Uh, just to understand and to learn. And I think that's so true. That's like, very true. Yeah, yeah. Like we've all been like, looked at his site and we've all been like, how does he do that? Dang it, man. He's so good at what he does. And like, you can try to emulate it, but it's, it's, he's so into it that it's like, 
you have to be, you know, people, I mean, I, the camera that he uses is now more expensive because of him. Yeah. You know, which is crazy. Like before you could have just bought one. It's like a thousand dollars more now, uh, which is, you know, which is insane to me. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, and so I think that, I think that's right. I think that he, uh, he has this clean, iconic style that you see it. And for years, it has defined what luxury wedding photography has been. And so for the classical musicians, hmm. you know, you do emulate that. People who want to shoot uh, luxury weddings, a lot of them shoot like Jose. I mean, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of like the, he is the gold standard of luxury wedding photography. Yeah. No, it's, hmm. uh, uh, well, it's cool. Thought. So. Thanks, man. Uh, check out his work, uh, J-T-O-B-I-A-S-O-N, uh, on the Instagrams. On the Insta. Are you going to look it up right now? No, no. I can just show you my Instagram, I can just, if you want to look at his No, we work. follow each other on Twitter. <laughs> oh, you follow on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, I don't do much on Twitter. Dude, Twitter's the best social media. Yeah, Joe Tobiasen. Uh, anyway, yes, 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 yes. Um, cool, cool. Uh, I think, yeah, if you guys have any more ideas... Let us know, and we'll uh, we'll throw it out there because I think it's cool to know. I like that idea of like, who is the what of photography? Who's the who's the Michael Jackson? Who, <laughs> who's the R. Kelly? Who's the R. Kelly? <laughs> yeah, maybe we won't get back into that. But uh, <laughs> who is the uh, who's the fish? I mean, they're out there. There's yeah. I mean, there's a photographer for everybody. They just say there's yeah. music for everybody. What do you think? What about Sam Hurd? What's what's Sam Hurd? The uh, let's see, what kind of music is he? Would he be like Daft Punk? I I feel like it'd be like it'd be like a, the most ind- indie Daft Punk you've ever heard. It's like oh, oh it's yeah. like it's like kind of like house, um, maybe getting over to EDM a little bit, but it's like super indie. Yeah. But they have like a million followers on SoundCloud, but no one's still no one that no one that you know in real life has heard of them. Only people online. Oh, really? Like, it's big on Reddit, but not big in... Huh. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Okay, cool. Man. All right. Well, that's what I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Um, I think we all have these situations where weddings stuff, wedding plans, wedding stuff, just generally, yeah. As photographers, I think it's because we're small business owners, but we also deal with... um, other people like what like weddings like there are very, a lot of variables that are out of our control where there are things that go awry or things that kind of happen outside of our control and trying to figure out how to rein those kinds of things in and also how to handle them with grace and empathy um so my story this story i'll, I'll tell it quickly is not, not a crazy story but it is i think an interesting story and i think it's relevant to a lot of people out here because i think we all try to walk this line um as photographers so i'll be the judge on what type of story this is. Okay. okay. Yeah. So please continue. <laughs> All right. So about let's what month is it? August. About eight months ago, mm. ended up booking this client for an elopement. Interesting. Um, that's that's not even the crazy part. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. And uh, they're awesome. They're having the wedding here in Colorado. Hmm. And open Estes, um, so really great people. But one of the one of the the there's a couple of caveats is they want to have their elopement on on a Friday, and typically I don't book um, elopements on Fridays. 
Okay. And so just because like I have to travel, I might have a wedding on a Saturday. I got so basically my kind of my rule is like hey, I reserve Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays for full day weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so or sometimes we have rehearsal dinner on a Friday. So basically like Fridays are usually off limits for limits <clears throat> unless we have a unless we talk through it specifically or if it's like especially or unless I'm traveling for it and I you know. But there are other cases too. But typically, I don't book elopements on Fridays. Okay. So we went into the booking process. I told them that. I said, hey, I don't book elopements on Fridays. Um, but and so I gave them the reasons why. Sometimes I have to travel on Saturday. Sometimes I have to travel on Friday because I might have a wedding on Saturdays. All these different kind of things that pop up. Um, so if you guys are okay with that and flexible with that, what we can do is we can book the elopement on Friday. But it might mean us needing to do things in the morning. Um, theoretically, because there things might pop up, and if you guys are flexible with that, I'm flexible with that, and we can roll with that. Mm-hmm. But just so you, just so you guys know, that's kind of where we're at, and you're like very understanding of that. That's really cool, um, and so that's that's what happened. Um, well, fast forward a few weeks ago, um, we had a family wedding pop up for that same weekend, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of said, "Hey, like this is." Kind of that one of those. This is kind of one of those situations we talked about. Unfortunately, like we're something, something's kind of come up, and like and I, you know, and so we had to talk this this stuff, and the couple was like super super gracious. We had to come up with a couple different like a couple different solutions. Like, hey, what are what are our options for this, and what's our game plan, and so we kind of and so, um, so yeah, end up kind of like going. There's a couple options where we could shoot in the morning. I'll give you guys more time. Um, we'll do you know all that kind of stuff is totally fine, or we can do it. Um, different day but that wasn't really an option we could do it um or we could i could we have another photographer take over the take it over if you want to do it in the evening mm-hmm. we could split coverage where i could do stuff in the morning so i could do something in the evening so we kind of like had all these different options uh, a couple was super kind super gracious overall they're like really understanding of everything and then like and then we end up kind of like landing on is like hey actually we're just gonna keep things in the morning i'll shoot it all, all myself um and we'll just roll with it as it is um so kind of like in a sense back to square one more or less. Yeah. But um, so all in all, it was like it was it ended. It's in that. Um, so that's what is, is this weekend, um, this Friday, and so that is like the best case scenario. Like things kind of like didn't go according to plan. Um, so but it turned out. But I think it's so far, I mean, yeah. I feel like it's turned out great, and I'm really excited about it all. Um, but I know that for a lot of photographers, that kind of stuff, or it's just stuff like this in general, like you can't really. You couldn't even make it up. Like this kind of situation, if you'd asked me, like, "Hey," I'm like, I couldn't have like made up this situation yeah. because it's so kind of crazy and random. Uh, but there's also reasons why there's like policies why we have things like, um, why I don't shoot weddings on, or love ones on on weekends and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, or Fridays and. So and well, so, good and, for you for holding to your guns. I think I would have very quickly been like. I'm contracted to shoot this yeah. thing. I'm gonna miss the wedding, yeah. or my family wedding. I wouldn't. I would have gone to the. I wouldn't have even asked them. But you had already stated in the beginning, like, listen, if we do it in the morning, mm-hmm. we can do it. I don't normally shoot on, you know, right. on on Fridays, which I think is uh, that's good for you to like manage that already, you know, because had you had this happen before that you were like, hey. Like, why don't you do any elopements on, or like, why did you feel like you had to tell them that in the, be- in the beginning? Well, okay. And the reason it's because like I, um, so elopements typically have a lower, a lower price point. Mm-hmm. And for me, cause it's less hours, less work, et cetera. And so, and it's a little more like streamlined of the process. So for me though, the reality is like, I, 
when I get inquiries for weddings on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is the primary days that I would get inquiries for, for a full wedding, like, they are willing to pay more money, mm-hmm. and they have a little more moving parts to that, more time, more coverage. And so I, it's hard. I, as a business person, can't reasonably make half or a third of what I would make on a, on a, on a weekend by booking an elopement for that day. So it's kind of a, of a pause to say, hey, if you're going to have an elopement, because it is flexible, let's do it during the week. Mm-hmm. And, that makes sense. Um, so I kind of always kind of put my foot down for like, hey, elopements are from Monday to Thursday unless we have a unless we talk it through and have like a uh, an exception to that rule. Or they were, or they or they book for wedding prep pricing. They, so yeah, yeah, we can yeah. still do elopement, but either pay for the full wedding pricing. For the yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, too. Because like so, um, yeah, it's funny. And this is actually maybe an interesting thing too. Is it's funny because I feel like sometimes people are like, hey, I do discounts for elopements, or do you do do you do, do discounts for like weddings in the middle of the week. And I see people on Facebook groups be like, why would you give them a discount? It's the same work, whether it's on on Tuesday or on Saturday. Sure. But I'm like, you go to a restaurant for happy hour. Like, it's the same. You're paying, the food costs the same whether you eat it at 4.30 p.m. or at 7.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. But it's because, like, supply and demand. Like, if you have to, you know, it's if you're not going to book up something on a Tuesday, why would you just turn down some money on a Tuesday when you can make zero money on a Tuesday? Yeah, no. Saturdays. Our weekends are your prime. Weekends are your prime. Real and so I think knowing, for, like, yeah. yeah, this is your prime real estate. So like modifying for for knowing that's an okay. I think it's okay to say, hey, yeah, I'm gonna definitely give you. A oh, I'll deal. give a discount if someone's having a wedding yeah. on a Thursday. I'm I just, like, yeah, let's figure it out. Yeah, like, and that's yeah. what I think. Some people are like, no discounts. Like it's the same amount of work no matter what. And it's like, man, eh, it is, but it's not. It's not about the amount of work. It's about the value placed in that day. Yeah, it's about the spine demand system that we work inside of. But yeah. all to say, going back to this this scenario here, I'm just. Yeah, I feel like it's really important to be one to be empathetic and flexible as a photographer, um, and to like also kind of know because if we're in this kind of in this situation, like we talked about finding the photographer for them, and mm. um, I would have like done everything in my power to find somebody, and if not, like I would have been like, okay, like then I'm I'm still gonna make sure I do, do it, do it, yeah, yeah. Um, or make sure they're happy with it all. And we found there's I had four people on standby who were willing to like rock and roll, which is awesome. Um, that is nice, but no, yeah, it's, it's just like. But I think it's just like some stuff just goes just goes not going to plan, and you gotta like go wrong. roll with the punches. Yeah, and I don't know. Even okay, like I'm trying to think about how, especially as a managing both my business and also my personal life. Like for example, if you had a wedding booked on a date, and then your sister was like, "Hey, I'm getting married that same date," I think you probably cancel the other wedding. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If that happened, I would go to my sister's wedding. Right. Um, I mean, it didn't happen that way, but no. like I like obviously I lost like three inquiries when my sister got married. Right. It was like, ah, oh, that was a good that was a good date. Right. And but I went I had to go to my sister's wedding, which obviously I'm making it sound like it was a negative thing. It was beautiful and wonderful. But as a business owner, I was like, that was like yeah. money off my top end. Right. You know, so like, I have you know, I have fifty two Weekends available, more or yeah. less, roughly. Uh, take out some weekends, take out some holidays and crap like that. So you have forty-five weekends available, ballparking. Yeah, well, that's even less if you're talking about prime. Like anything about prime weekends like available, summer, you have from yeah. May to October, so that's five months. So you have twenty-three weekends available, ballpark. Yeah. And so you think about the value on those weekends is five to ten thousand dollars. Sure. Then it's like okay, like if you give up one of those weekends, if you say that's theoretically. That's a lot of money to possibly pass on. And I also worked my sister's right. wedding, right. and you know, obviously weddings cost money, and so it was interesting because I not only did I lose money, but I, yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I had a thing where 
a client uh, canceled. It was mm-hmm. the first time, really, I think, that a client canceled their wedding, like they broke up, which was such a bummer, right? Um, but they'd already paid the retainer. Yeah. I, I had already said no to two weddings mm-hmm. on that date, and they asked me for their money back, you know, for the retainer. And I was like, man, it, it really sucks. Like, I want to give you your money back. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to try to book that date. And right. if I book the date, then I'll give you your money back. Like, that's kind of how I handle it, yeah. you know. But in the in the uh, in my contract, it says the retainer is mine. You right. know, like, I don't have to give it back. But obviously, I want them to right. have their money back. This is already a hard time for them. I don't want them to be like, yeah, sorry, you know. And so uh, I that's how I handle it. I'm like, yeah, listen, I said no. Like, I've already lost money, right. you know, because, you know, obviously you're not going to pay me the rest of your, mm-hmm. you know. And so now it's, like, later in the year, and it's like, I'm not going to book that date. Right. And so if I, if I book it with another retainer, then at that point I'm like, all right, it makes sense. You know, even though I don't have to, that's just kind of where I land on it. Right. Um, but if I don't book it, I just it's just like, man, things... Things do go wrong, and yeah. contracts are so important because it, I am running a business, and so for me to, you know, have that money expected, and then also on a prime date lose the date right. and lose the money, you know, it's like it's so rough, uh, and so it's it's a uh, and it's just emotions are involved. It just feels bad, and so um, I think uh, the bottom of all of this is just contracts are important. Right. Like you know, you need to say what you're saying in the beginning. So when things go wrong, you're covered. Right. You know. Because I think that's the thing is like eventually something's going to go wrong. That's yeah. just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's it doesn't some things going wrong isn't necessarily a, an evil thing or a bad thing or whatever. It's just like that things are going to happen that are out of your control, and how you communicate about them isn't a matter. Um, yeah. So I think I was that. It was like it was a lesson learned for me in a good way. I think the couples again it helps when your couples are incredibly gracious and kind. Sure. Um, but it, like knowing like yeah like communicating up front like here's the situation here's what's going on here's what we're doing and getting people. And it's helpful because you can't always prepare for that kind of stuff. Um, I had a wedding that canceled, but they they were having their wedding. It was a destination wedding, and they 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 actually just paid their final balance, mm. and then it canceled. And I was like, and it was a bummer. But I was like, I I mean, it was a travel wedding. I I already bought tickets and stuff like that. Did they break up or what yeah, happened? Yeah, they broke up. Oh, and so bad. like I'm like I've already like invested in stuff, and I was like I, if and I was like. Man, I feel really terrible, but like also, I said no to other stuff. And, yeah, and I'm also traveling. I already bought tickets. Bought. I already hard hard costs that I put out there. Yeah, sure. So, so that you did. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, and then I was like, this is. I mean, I would. I don't think. I'm sure I said it in a nice way, but basically, was like, hey, if you do get married, you get married again. Yeah, or maybe find or some another person. Like, feel very. I'd love to like find a way to like make something work out and like maybe like help. Make that you make that like more more reasonably priced, um, which but, makes sense. But it is kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's such a tough situation yeah. because man, they're getting married. That's a lot of money. They're right. only planning on spending this much money one time in their life, right? For some people, right. you know. And so, uh, for, and a photographer, that's a big chunk of change. And so to fully pay someone like ten grand, and then to not have. Uh, not get anything. I I think in my mind I'd be like, listen, when you guys get married, you know, if you guys get married in different ways, we can split the, you know, or something. Right. I don't know. Just contact me, or I don't know. That's it's just a because I I the, also I'm too personal. Like I know that I need to not have my 
emotions in this side. I mean, of it. I, like, I think that that empathy though is what makes you a good person, and it's just saying it's just trying to be helpful to like have empathy as a human being to be kind towards people to kind of know like yeah you know what like this is a business but the kinder you treat people like the kinder that like things will things that do come back around you know hmm. so yeah no know. there's so much uh not in not just shooting you know for photography it's like oh there's there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with not just the you know out there in the middle of the Forest making pictures and shooting yeah. your couples. I, mean, I, I think it does go to show like having a contract is really important. It's crazy because like a contract from a lawyer should cost you around seven to eight hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Unless your sister's a lawyer. Unless your sister's a lawyer, and yeah. then you got the hookup. What? Um, but it's like you know we'll drop thousand dollars on bodies, camera bodies, or lenses, mm. or s- other software. Um, but we'll like kind of like sh- n- shirk out on a on a contract. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I I have a question to ask you. It's a little serious, but I'm going to wait till we come back from this little break. <laughs> All right. We are back. Yeah. So, listen guys, um uh, as we when we talk about our podcast, we definitely want to talk about issues that are that photographers are going through. Um, but sometimes as we are photographers, it is a big part of our life and whatever goes on in our life sometimes affects our images. And sometimes I also think there's a, you talk about this there's a social responsibility for photographers, uh, to use their, uh, their skills and their gift to affect change as an artist. Uh, what is going on in the world is not separate from, what should be going on mm. uh, in our heads. And I think today it's so easy to separate that or to not talk about things. And so, listen, if you don't want to talk about things, you can turn off the podcast <laughs> uh, right right now. But if you're down to kind of just discourse this with us, we want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the world. And at the same time, uh, I think we have to say that we these are literally just our opinions. It's yeah. not. I don't. I don't want. I don't know. I. I think that's where I. I sit is that I just don't know. The answers, and I want. I don't want to be silent, and and think that reading stuff on Facebook is me doing enough. Right. Sure. Um. And so there's this. Uh, we're right now. Uh, it's. I'm not even going to say gun control. I mean, I said it, but it's uh, it's mass shootings. Mass shootings, yeah. Which is such a ridiculous notion that that's something that we, as a people, uh, have to deal with this sort of uh, large-scale hysteria. Like, yeah. there's something going on in the psyche of of the people that in this year alone, there's been over 200, 200 or something yeah. mass shootings. There's a stat which lists a lot of countries... Um, and we're the only one, or we're the one with, I think a couple other other countries had like three or there's four a couple, mass shootings. Yeah, there's but, been, obviously been other shootings around the world. Um, but in terms of like, but we've had like two hundred plus, like 200 which is something, in, yeah. Like what is going on? It, and so, uh, I I think Levi, what I th- I'll pose to you first, knowing, listen, this is just this is just a conversation. We don't. 
we're not sourcing information from anywhere yeah. or you know we're not trying to um sway your thoughts we're just trying to understand like we're just going to talk about the things that how it serves us what mm-hmm. we think about and that's it if you have thoughts you're welcome to us up you don't have to agree with us we're not saying every person or every photographer should have these same thoughts we're just gonna rally based on what we're thinking and what we're mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, I, yeah i just want people to know they can talk about it yeah. like don't just reading things on instagram and then forming an opinion or not forming an opinion then it then it happens tomorrow and it's just ridiculous yeah. you know I, I don't have kids but this fear this fear lives you know, in all of us in some way you have a kid mm-hmm. and not to take it so close to home so quickly yeah. but um it's real stuff man yeah where does that sit with you as far as your preparation for your your daughter Whew. i mean I guess we can come back to that. I feel like first we kind of have to, I think we should just maybe clarify what we're talking about in mm-hmm. general. Because what we're talking about is mass shootings. Mm-hmm. The context that we are in currently regarding those mass shootings is that there has been a large call to action by a lot of Americans that are saying these mass shootings are indicted by, or in, sorry, not indicted, incited by, um, by racial tension and by white supremacy. And so, um, particularly the one in El Paso, hmm. where people are saying that um, the reason we are these things are popping up is because of the like the construct of people feeling they have, and then that the construct of feeling that they have the space to enact on radical radicalized thoughts, uh, including white supremacy and racism, and then falling further down the ladder, saying that those things have been reinforced. And pushed by President Trump. Um, so that's that's yeah. that's 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 kind of the context. People are saying like, "Hey, we're talking about ma- about mass shootings," but people, I think, on one side of are saying, um, "We the reason we need to talk about it is because it's indicative of something else." Mm. Um, now I'm just I'm just being open. Um, I feel like we've had this issue of mass shootings uh, before Trump, right? Are so. The the people that are saying this is this something where they're like, it's it, like is the number more now that they're like, hey, listen, or is El Paso just like kind of like the one they're going with? Well, and they're El like, Paso, the reason yeah. El Paso is sticking out in that front is because the the shooter or the the suspect just call. I'm trying to be as partial and I or impartial as possible. I'm trying to be just unbiased. Like the the suspected shooter who's in custody had posted a manifesto mm-hmm. on 8chan. Uh, and on 8chan, he talked and cited one of his like inspirations um, as Donald Trump. Donald Trump being like an, ins- an inspiration bot for like mm-hmm. his mentality and his approach. Um, which is kind of saying like, hey, people are saying that, hey, Donald Trump's methodology is inciting people or is giving people the the uh, encouragement to fault and the people that are following in his footsteps. Some of them are radicalized, and so um, they're saying like, hey, because Donald Trump is talking about this stuff and he's being he said some things that are you know questionable at best um that is giving people the permission that they might need or feel or have to go and pursue things that are the acts of terrorism so Hmm. um i think that's where people i think that's why these this one the one in el paso in particular although there was a shooting in dayton as well too uh does seem a little bit more intentionalized is that it, it was due in part to um what has been called a uh Hispanic invasion is what he put in his manifesto. And Trump has used the word invasion as well, too. Um, 
And also there have been reports, um, um, there have been, I forget the actual reporters, but there's been things uh, on Fox News where in the aftermath of the shootings, um, where one of the reporters on Fox had said, like, it's, it's, it's not a claim, it's just a fact. Like the, his, him using the word Hispanic invasion isn't a claim, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. So then also on Fox reinforcing the fact that, like, hey, we believe that this is an invasion. And he went on to say, hey, if Russia came across the through Alaska, it'd be an invasion. It's like, yeah, but one's militant, one's not. So there's things like that too, where there's the on, on a conservative side, yeah, there is a, a reinforcing of the fact that there is, um, that this is one like militant, like that Latinos are militant, that they're invading this country, um, and that response needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, this response of the South Paso shooter was, we should kill them. Uh, obviously, that's not a response to everybody, but that was a response that, hey, we need to do something about it. And so. That is kind of just framing the context of what's going on. Uh, I it's interesting because you, I, in my mind, we, we those are those things are parallel, but they're not necessarily the exact same uh, conversation. Okay, um, only in the sense that, like, like what I said is just like the mass shootings took place before, um, uh, before Trump, the the the, right. the country. And this issue has been around since before the, you know, right. you know, the whatever the issue that the conservative have right now. And so one thing I never want to do and I'm not I'm not coming at you. I'm just trying to understand it in like, a you know, the fullest way possible, uh, but is define sort of um, I don't want to, this is a sickness, but defining people's like actions by the illness or by the thing uh, is not indicative of the whole entire group. And so all I'm saying in that is I hear what you're saying about Trump and the conservatives. I'm just trying to keep an open mind. I don't Mm -hmm. like. uh, Doing just like put it pigeonhole into one. Yeah. Yeah, And so if this crazy dude, mass shooter, and this one mass shooter is like, you know, listen, I think there are hate crimes and these some mass shooters are committing hate crimes or or something akin to terrorism and so i almost want to put that mass shooter in that group is like he's a terrorist he's a he's you know like he's inciting fear like he's you know he even Mm -hmm. though he is also a mass shooter it's a little bit uh the nuances there and so it's just, uh, man, it's a scary thing to talk about just because uh, there's no, there's no right here. Like, there's no like, hey, hey, uh, let's look at it this way. It's, this is all a sickness. Mm-hmm. Everything is bad. This is all bad. I don't, I, I don't want to like, it, it's such a nuanced point to argue. So I don't want people to be like, oh, is he pro? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to be as right. open as possible. Well, um, I, I think to your it, point earlier, okay, yeah. finish I just want to make the distinction that maybe we can talk about the politics of El Paso and uh, and that brings in a lot of like uh, border control things mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, and so or we can talk about mass shootings. Right. And yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's a that's where I'm drawing the distinction totally. is like you're that's yeah. thing you're totally right. Like these are these are two different issues that happen to have commonality in this instance. Yeah. So th- there is currently, just as it is, there's racial tension. Mm-hmm. I don't care if, what side you're on, sure. there's racial tension yeah. in a country. Um, you can be pro-immigration, anti-immigration, but 
everyone's there's a hundred percent tension. There also is a problem that we are currently having with domestic terrorists inciting violence by doing mass by committing ma- you know mm-hmm. acts of terrorism via mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are separate things that happen to they like, overlap they in overlap the Venn diagram. In, in this particular one in, in, yeah. in the past they overlap pretty hard. Sure, but that's to say that. so going back to and that's what that's makes it more complicated. Um, but just going back to mass shootings, like just saying okay. Domestic terrorism in, a, in, this, in this country, what, what are we going to do? Hmm. I, I wish there were... Uh, yeah, we definitely aren't qualified to talk about this. No, just, <laughs> <laughs> no man, I, I don't even... I don't have an answer. I, I don't... It, is gun control the answer? I don't know. Like, I do I think it's kind of wild? Well, okay, so a, a few months ago, um, the mass shootings happened, and, and some people were like, uh, some conservatives, or I should just say some gun owners, were sure. like, hey, you know what? Enough is enough. And they there were videos of them destroying their guns. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, look at these people. They're mm-hmm. just out there destroying their weapons. I found it... I find it so interesting... The, the split in the people, like, that some people double down so easily when online. Like, I, you know, reading a comment, oh, someone says, so should we, you know, they make a sarcastic comment, like, so is, is this enough mass shootings for you to get rid of your guns? Mm-hmm. Someone said this. And then people very quickly are like, nope, I just bought a gun yesterday. And I'm like, okay, is this just, like online like troll talk mm-hmm. or is this the legitimate sentiment of people that they can jokingly just be like yeah that's that's a, you know that's not a big deal and i get it i in the sense that i i know people that have guns uh black and white or whatever race i know people that own guns who are so pro gun that you know but is there do they just not see what's happening maybe it really just isn't gun control maybe you know, I, I just know that that seems to be the common denominator right. is that guns are so easy to get. And in some of the countries, they like, was it Australia where they, or England where they just collected all the guns? That was Australia, yeah. Australia. Yeah. And they collected all the guns. And even the, the, I guess the idea is like, well, the bad people won't give up their guns. But in Australia, they did. You know, maybe there's a common like thread through humanity that says, no, we love. Like we, we get it. Even the the bad people. It's like in the movie where the bad person helps the good person, and right. they're like, "All right, listen, we're gonna we're gonna come together for this one thing, but after this, we're gonna go back to you know mm-hmm. to stealing, but we'll just use knives, you know, not to make a joke, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, do are we so far removed from that, or is that just a romantic liberal thought that I have that I'm just like. Yeah, they'll get rid of their guns. Yeah, I know they will. I believe in them. I mean, or is that, it fear? That's the, so. I think there's yeah. That's the complexity. I, I think people on one side are saying, obviously, when you say when you have gun control, only people that are going to give up, give away their guns, are people that are like nice people, and everyone else who's n- not nice is just going to keep their guns, and then only people who are not nice have guns, and then they're going to kill us all. That's like the I think the the general sentiment, and then obviously very generalizing that in general. It's, but I think that's nothing is the fear. People are saying, like if I give up my guns. How am I going to protect myself? Um, and that I, seems, I, oh, but that also seems crazy to me to think that like 
the only options <laughs> to like protect yourself is to have something that could kill somebody. And it's like, yeah, I get that you want to keep your family or yourself or whatever safe. I get that. And I know that that's the real stuff. And I want to keep my family, my my wife and my children and my daughter safe. Um, but I don't know if I could shoot somebody either way. Like if I had a gun and there's like someone, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could shoot somebody. And so I don't well, know. That's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, okay. Let me just, this is a black that podcast. I think we can go there. I'm just going to, something a little more off, a little more personal to me. Sure. And a little more off the cuff for mm-hmm. those that are. Okay. So I'm, I am Christian. I grew up Christian. That's kind of, and most people that are, not most people, some people that are Christian are conservative and politically. Sure. And some people that are Christian are like very pro like you know, on the conservative side. I feel like, especially with this election, you've seen a lot of people on the, con- who are Christian, like espousing the um, political right and, and standing behind Trump or the Republican Party, et cetera, whatever. Like people know this stuff. It's not. Sure. Yeah. As a Christian though, like part of the core belief, core tenant of faith is that we uh, are being aligned with Christ, with Jesus, and also thereby, therefore, like we also reject uh, the kingdoms of the earth, more or less, do these Christians speak. But basically, we, we kind of like reject um, alignment with political or like entities for to like save us and we like look to kind of like to jesus for self for salvation which ultimately to me means that like that we are aligning with the kingdom of god which in my mind um the first off the kingdom of god is uh, would be and again so the, the for those that don't know i have a degree in biblical studies and have done exegetical paper this is like i'm trying to i'm trying to make it like commonplace and but i've done a lot of like paper writing on like the kingdom of god what does it mean to actually be part sure, of remember sure. the kingdom of god and a part of the kingdom of god um so i might just get a little, a little more nerdy in that kind of talk but essentially for me i'm like i it's really hard for me to see christians who are trying to have this dual um that being duly uh serving they're serving two masters in the yes. sense that they are, you know, you, if they have to rank the you, things or their kings. Right. You can't yeah. be allegiance to a country and also be allegiance to the kingdom of God. That's. <sighs> okay. 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 Well, let me just go. So. I don't, okay, well, well, go ahead. Go, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Because like, I, I don't know if I agree with that part, but continue. Go okay. ahead and talk. Yeah. So ultimately, the, 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 as, a, as a Christian, the, the, your allegiance would be to the kingdom of God, which would mean that. First off, that'd be uh, my mind a commitment to nonviolence, a commitment to seeing God's kingdom manifest itself, sure. which is rooted in grace, empathy, compassion. Basically, essentially the things that Jesus taught people to do, and the things that are rooted in, uh, and that same. So for me, that's saying okay, me that means I I personally feel like okay that would mean that it'd be pretty apparent to reject nationalism. I mean, I think you can be proud of your country, blah, 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 cheering Olympics, whatever, all kind of stuff. You can still be proud that you live in this country. There's things like that. There, But, like, rejections of notions of nationalism, where, like, our country is better because X. Because that, I think, directly is, in my mind, is kind of like undermining the kingdom of God. Hmm. To um, preserving your country as being superior to other countries, because that, where it's fact, in fact, is, like, if we're all equal, for all all pe- same people, our, our, where we were born, the 
coming out of the space that we were, the land that we were placed on <laughs> when we came out, we were like, we're birthed, should not define our worth. So our, so in that sense, I would reject nationalism. I'd also reject, um, like, even things like immigration. This is, again, this is totally personal, but saying like, hey, if the kingdom of God is about um, empathy, compassion, kindness for those who are poor or who are destitute or those who are hurting, then it makes sense to me to say, hey, we should, it is our responsibility then as Christians, not as a, not as a country, as Christians. Those are two different things, having like a, a political ethos and also a Christian ethos of saying like, hey, whoever comes in this country is, is well, like, is, if, Acting in, in the kingdom of God versus acting inside of like the United States of America, meaning that it'd be, hey, I'm going to take care of those who come to this country, whether they're here legally or illegally, because that also it shouldn't be relevant inside of the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, so, the, and I guess like, and the reason I think this is, um, and then it comes down to like gun violence, gun control. I'm finally back to that saying like, you know what? If the whole point of gun, if the whole point of being in the kingdom of God means that like my salvation, my hope, all these things don't aren't um, preserved by being free in America, so to speak, um, then like, it doesn't necessarily matter if I, um, that like me, I don't need to protect myself because, um, not so much of like people can't hurt me. I don't, it's not that at all. It's just saying like, Hey, my allegiance to the kingdom of God and to unity and to peace should, should supersede my, uh, allegiance to my own self well-being and self-preservation. That self-preservation should be secondary, um, to the presentation of others. Um, so mm-hmm. that's a long tirade. It's a lot of different things, but also saying like, hey, things like saying, hey, like be kind, be gracious. Like I'm not, yeah, those things should, it seems that, that if we should be willing to, that's a, okay, that's a lot <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to agree with you on the count of uh, the the sort of Christian, uh, the, the the Christian Christianity that's come out in the last few years of of, of Trump sort of defining the culture of, um, evangelicalism yeah has been one that has not been what I understood faith to be mm-hmm. you know and people have definitely sided with Trump before they side with Christ or they one align their views with Christ and then let their mind um, sort of figure out how to make their Christian Christianity work around what they align mm-hmm. what they align to uh, there was a, a famous writer, he said, the mind uh, justifies what the heart has chosen. And so their hearts were like, I am with Trump. And it's something that we all do is we we let our hearts first go in a direction and then we figure out how to make it, yeah. like how to think our way through it and to make it work. And we're humans, we're smart. We can do that. Like it's we can make connections wherever we want to make connections in the world. Right. And so... It has been an interesting conversation to talk about people who um, who would once preach love and then or hope and then not understand how that translates into reality. Like, oh, wait, you're saying that you love everyone. Do you not also love this person or you don't actually love, you know, people who are uh, coming across the border or, you know, like, how does that like if that's re- really your brother how or your sister or your mom who is coming across the border and they're in the family of Christ how do you feel like you're like in your mind do you feel like you're treating them or are you just listening to Trump figuring that out mm-hmm. and then going from there and so i agree with you on that point like 
I see that and it's one of the most disheartening things about our time. I feel like that's one of the places where Christians have failed our time. Like we have totally, instead of showing people what, what God is in this time, we've shown people very quickly how we can just lose our faith to, to ideologies that are man-made. And so now most people who are non-Christian are like, this is a time where Christians could have been like, no, look, this is the difference. This is why we're telling you to come to this faith. And we, we didn't do that. Uh, we definitely said, no, we will vote for Trump, you know, like, or whatever it is. And not just, not that voting for Trump is, is that evil thing, mm-hmm. but we aligned, we didn't set a different standard. Right, we, yeah. you know, I want to talk about where I don't agree with you right after this break. All right. Okay, so I'm going to come at uh, this from two different angles. Uh, I think in one, is I, there's the side of, you know, there's the Christian side, which is like you, you went from that angle. You're like, listen, as a Christian nation, this, this, and this. Or as a Christian people, there are plenty of people that aren't Christian that don't, uh, don't have that same, uh, I will, I'll even call it, a code of ethics yeah. because, you know, their, their morality is set in a different way. And so, um, the idea of, of killing someone or what justice means or having a gun to protect yourself, there's a part of me that understands that if I had a family and someone was coming to kill my family, I, what I would want to protect them. And, and an, I don't, want to be able to do it but there's like a carnal side of me that's like yeah i'd be able to do it i'd Mm -hmm. be able to take care of my family you know like as a protector um i don't want to be able to do that but yeah yeah. i if if it came down to it you know like i i imagine i would want my family to live you know so that side of the argument i i get i get it i can understand why someone's like but uh, but I, I want to protect my family, you know, you know that kind of thing. I've talked to many uh, Christian people about it who have plenty of guns, and it does seem like there's part of it that's just like this, uh, and this is just my take, there's part of it that is just like this childish, like, no, I'm sticking to what I said. You know, it's like when you get caught on the wrong side of an argument, mm-hmm. but you just, like, make that face, and you're just like, I don't care. Digging your heels. You're, yeah, you're yeah. digging your heels and you're just like, I'm going to do this. And there's part of it that seems like it's like that where they can't really rationalize it, but their heart has chosen it. And so their mind is just like, I don't care. It makes sense to me. Like, I, I need to have the gun. And then slowly some people come out of that. Uh, even as a Christian, I think some people would have the... Um, there are times, some people would have the defense that there are times to be a pacifist and there are times of great war. There are times that God shows his, his might and that he shows, like, maybe it's more in the Old Testament where he's like, hey, look, like, you know, go fight this battle. I will stand with you and we will fight this battle or we, would, we will beat this person. And so there is war and there is God deciding to be at war. And so if 
if some of these people think we're going towards the end times or whatever, you know, there will, at which there's, there will be war, then I don't know that, and I don't know that I agree that standing as a pacifist in those situations is what God dictates of man. You know what I mean? And right. so that's what I'm only responding to the argument that as a Christian, one should be a pacifist. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like I, you know, I'm not a militant person, but I would, I would fight for my country if I had to. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know where that's rooted, if it's rooted in faith or if it's rooted in nationalism or ideas of, um, of patriotism, but I have it in me where I'm like, no, I would, I would fight if I, you know, if we had to go to war or something to protect the land or something, I'm just being honest. Like I have that in me that I'm like, no, I would, I would do it. Uh, and I guess I honestly, maybe I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know where it comes from. I just know that it's in me, you know, like, um, so maybe it's not necessarily, maybe it's one of those heart things. It's not necessarily something that is part of the faith. And so in that situation, I understand why, I mean, why, you know, why someone's like, oh, guns, we got to protect the land or protect ourselves. This is totally separate from mass shootings. Right. Like to me, that's just like, an outlandish thing, you know? And so, yeah, that's why I don't know if gun control is the thing. I, I don't know. I, I do think that, yeah, sure. Why not have stricter gun laws? But, uh, yeah. But what I don't, what bothers me more, well, obviously the shootings bother me the most, but then the people's indifference to change. It's like, okay, listen, yeah, can't we just understand that the arm is broken as opposed to talking about all these other ailments or mm-hmm. like the arm's broken, but yeah, but it's cloudy outside. It's like, people are like, yeah, like let's get gun control. And then let's also have tougher voter IDs mm-hmm. or so, you know, I'm like, Whoa guys, like people just died. Like, is that not a thing? Why? And I, listen, on both sides of the aisle, we politicize things so quickly People died. Let's have tougher gun gun control laws. Right. We've politicized it. Therefore, people go to the p- political argument as opposed to the fact that people died. And so, yeah, I get that. Listen, change needs to happen. Uh, I don't. I just don't. I wish I knew how to say. Okay, listen. All they need to do is, is do this. You know. And so, right. yeah. No, I mean that all makes sense. I think what's what's hard. I think to exactly your point. What I'm like is like, okay, how many times is this going to happen? How long is it going to take? How many people have to die? Already too many times. Uh, yeah. Sure. How many, but like how many how many people – but seriously, they're like asking, like thinking about like – because lots of people have died already, but apparently it's not – it's allegedly or apparently not enough to actually do something about it. And that's what I'm saying. Like when's it going to be a time to say, okay, like enough is enough. Things can't be the same. Because I think what ends up happening, every every mass shooting, people's – People are really sad. They post about it online. It gets politicized, blah, blah, blah. People talk about gun control. People talk about not gun control. But no no legislation is passed. Nothing changes. There's no. There's literally no differences. And then mm-hmm. until it happens again. And as I'm saying, it's like, hey, we got to do something. I, 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 I'm not I saying, agree. I'm not saying yeah. we got to ban guns. I'm like, I don't. But I'm saying like, hey, you should, it should be like, at least some kind of like licensure. Like you have to pass a test. You have to get a license. You that license expires. You have to like keep up with it. Like why? Why well, can't you do have to get a, a license? You can't just buy a gun, can you? No. Depends where you live. Uh, depends on what state you're yeah. in. Yeah. Oh. It's it varies across the board, and it's 
you could theoretically go in some and get a gun and walk in and out the same day. I know at like some weird shops, but you do have to get a gun permit. I, and listen, but like, I think it should be tougher. I wish, obviously, I wish there was a world without guns. I don't think that we even need the guns. It's like, yeah, you want to go hunting? Use a bow and arrow. Like you're a smart and you're a smart person. You can figure it out. Like I don't. I think it would be more fun if you know we're out there with bows and arrows. But uh, guns. I wish there weren't any. I, I, I don't need that fear. It, to me, it's just like, this is unnecessary, but people be crazy. People be crazy. Um, that's the moral of the story. That's the moral of the story. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I don't... I, I, I think you're right. Things need, Something needs to happen. That's the thing. Like, okay, so what's going to be the chance? Because if like someone's, somebody's got to give up some ground. That's the thing. Somebody's got to be like, you know what? You're right. We got to do something about this. Like, we need to go back to this assault weapon ban. Like, because like you might like keep all the regulations the same, but maybe let's just say no assault weapons. Like that's that's an option. Or you could say, hey, we want to make it a lot more strict, and maybe it'll make it almost like make it a little more consistent uh, across the board about what it takes to actually own a gun. Like how do we have a system, have a database, etc. Like those kind of things, I think are. We got to do something. We got we got to do something. We can't just say. Yeah, hey. we do, and it's so interesting that that people are so indifferent to the, like, okay, people are out there dying, and some people are just like, I'm good, I'll just, I'll, I'll go buy a gun now. And I'm like, what? Like, you, it doesn't move you a little bit? But, listen, the, th- the thing that I hate about arguments is that neither one of us really want to own a gun. Right. The guy that's out there, or the lady that's out there, that wants to own a gun, and that has a, a moral, like, view that's like, hey, this is why. Or this is like my well thought out ideology for why I think it is okay or why it's not guns. That's the text that I want. That's the that's the voice message that I want on you know, right. that someone to say, Hey, this is what I think or that's the photographer that I want to come on the podcast mm-hmm. because I want it to I wanna know. Like right. because the ones I talk to they haven't thought it through well enough to say it's more just like Meh, yeah, I just, it's not my guns. That person was crazy. I'm like, yeah, but it's happening a lot. Like, it's it's a lot. It's 200 something school shootings, not like 200 something people. And when people come with like these crazy takes, they're like, yeah, but cars, cars kill people. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with the way that you think? You know, like, that is not an answer. Not even the, That's not, not the, even the same thing. Yeah, why are you, you're just saying, oh, the statistic is that car. Yeah. yeah. It's like cancer kills people, it just banned cancer. Yeah, I'm like, well, no, 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 no. That's not how logic works. Yeah, right. Like, I understand why you think that's how logic works, because, it's a, because it also kills people. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of a gun is to harm something. It's That's the purpose of it. It's not, there's nothing else you're going to do. Yeah, maybe you say, well, no, the purpose of a gun is target practice. Come on. You can go, you can go airsoft shooting or, you know, like, the purpose of a gun is to kill. That's what the purpose of it is. If I'm wrong, please email me. Like, I want, because I want to know, like, if, is it for target practice? Is that the purpose? Is it just for fun? Like, yeah. Are you, is your target practice a a human being, like, sketched out on a piece of paper? (laughs) Then yeah, you're practicing killing someone, and so come on, like it's uh, yeah. These are these are accidents we're yeah. talking about, like when it's when cars are involved. It's right. it's so crazy that 
So like my brother-in-law is like very avid gun owner, very very like passionate about guns, loves mm-hmm. guns. He, he's built one. He owns a handful of them. But I'm also like, hey, you're a smart guy. I I would trust you with a gun. Like, but if I don't trust him with a gun, it's gonna be with you. But like, I feel like you. I feel like if we have gun laws, that there's some hoops that you have to jump through to get a gun. You probably still do it because you want to own guns, and that's to me it's like that's fine. But like. It's like because of the nature of the power of that kind of a thing, it should just be like, yeah, let's just be let's just be better safe than sorry kind of thing. Like, let's take a test. Do it's like I don't know how how complicated can it really be? Just be a little more. I think that's the thing. Is like people are like, I don't want to do any work. I want to own my gun. No work. I don't care. It's like, and that's that's the vibe I get. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I could totally be wrong, but I feel like that's the vibe I get. People are like, you know what? Like it's just my right. It's my right to own a gun as is. That's and so I just need does no one can like put any parameters around that it's like I'm not saying that I, I don't think we should necessarily take everyone's guns away I mean personally if you say hey should we get rid of guns I'd be like yeah let's, let's try it out let's try let's try something but I would like let's start with like just making it harder to own a gun and also make it that those people that have guns have a lot more training around it that should be sufficient like that should be a plan. That's, that's, that should be sufficient to stop. That's not gonna stop mass shootings. Yeah, like we have like, to go. That should be like let's start. Let's just try it, right? Like what's yeah, the- yeah. We have to get a car. We have to go take a test. We have to take a written test. Mm. We have to do an actual driving test. Yeah, you have to go you see know. a doctor and make sure that and get those your doctor's eye note. test. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you know, and so if you're gonna go with that as your your out, like oh, cars kill people. Mm-hmm. Well. Sure, like they do, but even to get permits for something that isn't used to kill people, to get a license to do that, there's a waiting period. There's all this stuff, all these hoops. So maybe for a gun, which is actually used to kill, we can have a little bit more, uh, make it a little harder to get them. I, I, I agree with that fully. I was just like, yeah, let's make it harder. Like, And if you really want, if you're a hobbyist and you just want to make guns and to own lots of guns and you want assault rifles and stuff maybe you gotta pay like a little extra or something you know like if that's really what you want then why not be known yeah. why not let everyone know like hey this person is a gun owner and this person in his house he has this or whatever I don't know like I don't know I don't know that there should be like a database that everyone can database. see but yeah but like like yeah, you have to register everything, and because I already think you have to register your guns, but I just think some people get around it, or you know, because um, now you can go into like a gun show, and the people at the gun show maybe don't care about the laws as much, and so they will sell you the gun, and uh, or you can you know someone else can buy you the gun, that kind of thing, which is a scary thing. Like uh, it's super scary. Now you're right, man. I don't know how many people. I uh, I do hate talking about things without the other side though. Yeah. Like I try to defend the other side, yeah, yeah. even though I might not agree with it. I'm trying to just be like, let's let's be open to what people I, might, could be thinking. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I don't necessarily want guns. I don't. I'm just. Yeah. I guess my my real question is that is truly. What? How many people? How many people are gonna have to die? Until, things. Until someone started asking serious questions, like, okay, hey, this isn't okay. The way things are going is not okay. Because I feel like so many, people, so many people have died now, and I'm just like, what's it going to take? Like, what is actually the tipping point for someone to do anything? If there's going to never, there's never be a tipping point, just let us know that, so that way we don't have to like keep having the same like the same act every time something this happens, like, the same sad, sad yeah. crisis. Like, just let us know, hey, we're never going to do anything about this. This is just the way it is. Like, I don't, 
And because that way, it's like, okay, then maybe I can come up with a solution. Be like, you know what? I don't want to live in a place like that. True. And if that's the case, if that's how it's going to be, say, like, hey, we're never going to do anything about this, just so everyone's clear. It's like, great. Now we know. Now we're all on the same page. Now we need to figure out what we're going to do so we can live in a place where we feel like that's not a threat. I. This is just one of those things where I don't understand about it's the indifference that gets me. Yeah. Where people are like, yeah, well, it's not me. Or, yeah. you know, like, that sucks. And it's like, really? Like, people are in your country, people are getting shot. It, little kids. Like, that doesn't seem crazy to you? Like, you don't think, oh, you know what? I should probably not have this. Everyone, what, what's, that's what I want to know, is what do you think? The person who owns a gun, what do you think? Yeah. Hit us up on the Black Podcast. Message us, because we want to know. We truly want to know. We'd love to hear, read your answers on, on the air. Learn more about this, because yeah. I feel like it's, obviously it's not a one-sided issue. And tell us why you think that, there should be no regulations. There should keep all your guns, or that they're it's fine as it is. Or just tell us everything, anything. Yeah. Like, we don't know, so tell us what we don't know. Yeah, guys, uh, I'm Adonia Jaja. This guy next to me, his name is Thumper. Hit us up online <laughs> on Facebook and all things Instagram. Uh, Black light out. <laughs>